glad you're with me because um, you guys are part of that. Um, we'll get into that in a, in a second. But I'm excited to bring the word. Um, I was asking the Holy Spirit this week, I'm like, what am I going to preach this week? It's the week before like our big Christmas event, outreach, and I didn't really know what to preach. I'm like, God, I don't know what to preach. And, you know, I couldn't preach on the, the manger. I couldn't preach on the, the Christmas manger and how Jesus came. The miracle worker started in a manger. Um, I could have preached that. I could have preached about the shepherds and how the, the nobodies were invited, as well as the somebodies, the wise men. I, I could have preached on that. I, I could have preached similar to what we did last year on the Christmas tree and the fact that the, the real gift of God doesn't go under the tree for us. It went on the tree, the cross, Jesus, the gift to humanity. I could have preached all that. And, and I thought, nah, that's all boring. I'm not going to preach anything that. <laughs> So I decided to open up the Bible and go just past Christmas a little, but um, we'll jump in. Uh, let's give it up for these band. These guys give it up. Mark and Sol, each week, please can take their seat. As they take their seat, why don't you turn, tap, swipe your way to the book of John, chapter 1, verse 38. And we're going to get there in just a second. But next week, like I said, is the Christmas experience. Someone say experience. 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 And we called it that on purpose. We call it the Christmas experience on purpose because it's it's only through an experience with Jesus that people decide to lay down their lives and follow him, right? Um, people aren't going to, as Jesus said, take up their cross and follow him. Um, they're not going to make that decision to follow Jesus. Oh, I'll come back to that in a second. Don't read it. Don't spoil my scripture. People aren't going to make that decision to follow Jesus just because of education, right? Just because they learnt a lot about Jesus and they learnt a lot about church history and the ancient biblical book and, and they, they, they're they not going to come and decide to follow up Jesus and give up everything to follow him because of being educated. I think about Paul. You guys remember Paul, right? He was one of the smartest dudes in the New Testament. Um, the Pharisees called him the Pharisee of Pharisees. Like, as in the top dog, the guy who just is the greatest of all time, Pharisee, the goat pee. <laughs> He's the goat pee. And so that's a quote for you. Okay. But, um, but Paul, he, he, he knew everything, right? He had the whole Old Testament memorized, most likely, most portions of it. He knew, he, he knew all the laws. He, he was enforcer of the laws. And he, he, he was like educated to the max. His master, his teacher, his rabbi was a guy called Gamamil. Gamamil. And this guy was the legend in and of his own right. So this is the top student, top of the class, top teacher, top university, Pharisee school. And he learnt it all. However, it wasn't had nothing to do with his education that caused him to go from an assassin to an apostle. Um, it wasn't education, it was an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He had his head full of knowledge, but his heart was empty. Because Jesus was about to make an experience, have an experience with him. And that one experience trumped all his education. Listen, I love the Bible. I love it more than just God's Word. But the fact that it's God's, it's the most, the New Testament at least, is the most reliable document that humanity has. 
Okay, there are other, other ancient texts that we just take for granted. Yeah, that's true, of course it is, that have this much evidence of its uh, accuracy, whereas the Bible has thousands of manuscripts all compared together. It's one of the most accurate. And so I love it as education is reliable. People don't give up their lives because of education. They, they don't come to Jesus and lay down their lives because of entertainment either. They're not going to come to a nice Christmas service and, ooh, sparkly lights, I give my life to Jesus. Oh, great dance. Look at that cute kid hitting the drums with his fake air drums and singing. So cute. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. People uh, don't uh, give their lives up and follow him because of education or because of entertainment. They do it because they've had an experience. And so this Christmas, in fact, it's every week, um, we, we aim, we want to give people just the opportunity to have an experience with Jesus. When we're doing youth ministry, we have these nights called Encounter night. Um, because we knew that if they can't, because at in youth, you know, you guys know, we can fill a room, right? All you got to do is give away free P, um, a PS5, give away free Series X, Xbox, you just got to give away a gift card, or just free pizza. And you get people here, okay? But what they come for, they'll leave when it's no longer there, right? And so our goal in youth ministry was always to, to push people towards Jesus, because Jesus will never leave, right? And so it's not through education or entertainment, it's through an experience with Jesus. And so our prayer as a church, Benny and I's prayer, um, our vision for this Christmas is that people would find peace, that find hope, that find joy, but not because of the season of the year, because, but because of our Saviour. They would find this hope, this joy, this peace, this overwhelming love and forgiveness um, not because it's Christmas time and that's just the feelings everyone gets, but because of Jesus. I don't know if you're with me on that, but I'm just so excited for people to have an experience with Jesus. Amen? By the way, if you're not sure, why do they say amen all the time? I'm just trying to like help with the Christianese. You know, Christian, us Christians have, bless you, brother, by the anointing, father of Aaron's beard, anointing oil. <laughs> Non-Christians like, what are you talking about? Amen just means I agree or like that's good. Okay, are we all good with that? Yeah. Just, you know, you guys all know, but maybe there's someone that doesn't. Okay? Amen. John chapter 1, and starting in verse 38, it says this. Turning around, Jesus saw them following. Now, these guys that are following him are two disciples that used to be John the Baptist's disciples. And previously in the text, John's like, look, there's the Son of God, the Lamb who was slain and takes away the sin of the world. And, and John's disciples, John's followers are like, um, he's like, stop following me, follow him. So they're like, see you, John, we're following Jesus now. And, uh, and, and they're following Jesus. And now, turning around, Jesus saw these two guys following him and he asked, what do you want? It's a bit rude. Jesus, they're following you. That's why you're here, right? Following me. Um, what, what do you want? Maybe he thinks he's getting stalked or something. And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, uh, where are you staying? Come, he, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying, which Airbnb was staying at, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Um, it's about quarter to six in the afternoon here, but that's okay. How good has this weather been? I woke up this morning, I'm like, jacket time. Church, with a jacket. I miss that. So, um, come. It's going to be good. Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went, saw him, he was staying, and spent the day with him, four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, uh, was one of the two that had heard what John had said 
and who have followed Jesus. We've got Andrew, that's Pete's bro. Uh, and then uh, the first thing Andrew did, someone just pay attention to this. The first thing, not like the last thing, not after he did a course, not after he like worked it all out, not after, like the first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon, that's Peter, yeah, Peter, the main dude, the guy that we all recognize, Peter, one of the top dogs, right? Peter, the apostle Peter, you know, um, this, this guy was like one of Jesus' top three, but he came because old mate Andrew, um, which, you know, doesn't get much of a mention with the 12 disciples, he's, he's, but his whole life, his whole claim to fame here is that he invites Peter. And we see what happens. I don't know who you're going to invite. It might be Peter. Um, and, and the first thing he does is say to his bro, hey bro, guess what? We've found, uh, 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 we found the Messiah. That is the Christ. Um, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him. Looks him up and down. He says, you, you're Simon, son of John. And you're going to be called Caiaphas. Yes, that's how it's pronounced. Which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decides to leave for Galilee. He finds Philip and he says to him, follow me. So he finds Philip. He finds Philip and says, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, they were from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel. Okay, do you see a pattern? Do you see a pattern here? I find it so interesting. I was saying to someone this week, I said, it's so funny that people who have been in church a long time, it's like getting, it's like trying to saw an arm and a leg off them to get them to invite someone to church. But someone that's new to church, it's like the one week they bring a one person, like my man Philip. Oh, hello. Philip, he brings someone. Oh, see, it's, it's biblical. Philip brings someone one week, and the next week he's bringing someone. Like, it, and, and it's like the first thing they did when they encountered Jesus was they went and found somebody. So don't make them try and saw your arm and leg off. Okay, Philip, he found Nathaniel, he found Nate. And uh, he told him, we found the one that Moses wrote about in the law. And the one whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Job. Nazareth, can anyone good come from there? Nathaniel asked, come and see. That's the title of the message tonight, come and see. Turn to your neighbor and say, come and see. Turn to your other neighbor and say, come and see. Say it louder to the other person, come and see. Come and see, come and see, come and see, come and see. Holy Spirit, help me in this message tonight. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move upon us in this room. It wouldn't just be a church service, God. But we ask that you would be here. That your Holy Spirit would move amongst us. Drop words of knowledge. Give us a heart for people tonight. God, a heart not like our heart where it's so fickle and fragile and it's, it's loving one day and angry the next depending on how they treated us. But God, let us have your heart tonight. A piece of your heart that's broken for people, that is hungry for people, that is loving people. Lord, we thank you that you're depositing a bit of you into us tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have you noticed that the way someone enters the room says a lot about their character? Or, or it can, if you're like Sherlock Holmes, reveal a lot about who they are and sort of the way they act and a bit of their... Uh, atmosphere, the way in which you show up on a scene determines people's impression of you. You know, the law of first impressions, right? We've all got that person or, you know, that experience in our life where someone has walked into the room and straight away you're like, oh, I don't like them. <laughs> I don't know about you. Or the other way, you're more Christian than I am and you're like, oh, they're cool. I, I like them. 
They haven't said anything, haven't seen them, haven't talked to them, don't know them. I'm not stalking them on Instagram. And they're coming, but I just sort of like them. Or the opposite, you're like, I just don't like you. Okay? The, the way someone enters, I remember once I was at a, um, a gathering, a men's gathering, at a conference. And, um, and I was in there, and I was just chilling, I was hanging out. And, um, and anyway, there was this other youth pastor. There was a youth pastor. I was talking to this other pastor, okay? And he was talking to me. I'm not going to name any names, okay? Because I love pastors and I honor all of them, whether they're wrong or not. And so, and so I'm talking to this one pastor, and it was sort of like, it, it was like somewhere for like uh, leaders to like hang out, right? They had this thing, and so I just snuck in behind Peter, okay? I was just like, yeah, let me in there. So I snuck in. And I'm talking to this other lead pastor in Brisbane, and uh, he's looking at me, but it's one of those ones where it's like, he's looking at me, but. You can sort of see he's looking past me, right? To see who else can I talk to. You know, that's more important than this tweet, you know? And he's like looking around, he's like, you know, who's someone like better, you know, connections. Anyway, so that instantly got me annoyed, but that's all right. Anyway, and then I turn around and this guy, this youth pastor walks in. And I'd seen him a little bit on Instagram, and that was my first first impression, but I saw him walk in and Man, I don't know, the devil just rose up in me because he walks in. Okay, I don't know, let's just try. Can I get two guys? Two guys, let's get um, these two. Yep, uh, Ray and Andrew, come with me. This is unscripted, I'm just playing, okay? Alright, let's try this. I'm going to give these guys some instructions, okay? Um, so just bear with me, talk amongst yourself, turn to your name and say, come and see. Hi guys, Jesus, it's just boring, man. It's all oh, that's right, right. No, just joking. Alright, give us one second, everyone. So, so I'm just there talking to this guy, getting ignored. Um, the kids, team are looking at me through the glass, like, uh, is he meant to be in the room? Anyway, okay, anyway. So I turn around and he walks in. He walks into the service like this. And he's got his, he's got his like posse, you know, around, and it's like the two guys, and it's a mixture. He's trying to be a mixture of Donald Trump and Jesus. Okay, it's like, and he walks in, and he's just like looking around. I'm like, thanks guys, give a round of applause for these guys. Anyway, and straight away I looked at him like, oh, like, oh. Anyway, it's like this guy walks in, and he's like thinks he's the top of the world. He's like, and you know, their church is maybe the size of our church. You know, that's not a big deal. But I'm just like. Have a bit of self-awareness. Anyway, and that instantly let this bad impression of me because it's like the first, the way someone shows up on the scene shows a lot about who they are, their character and all that if you've got Sherlock Holmes skills. And, and this got me thinking about, about Jesus and how Jesus shows up on the scene of humanity, right? How Jesus rolls in and shows up to humanity. And I think about of all the ways that Jesus could have shown up to humanity. You know, he's on the greatest rescue mission of the world, a divine rescue mission, heaven to earth, saving the world. And I'm thinking of all the ways Jesus could have entered into humanity, space, and time to rescue people. And I got, uh, then I got thinking, I'm like, man, just imagine what it'd be like. You know, you're in heaven, and there's, they're in the, the brainstorming room, okay? You've got God the Father, you've got Jesus, he's the one going on the mission. So he's there, you get some input, you've got God the Father, he's at the end of the table, he's like the chairman. And then you've got like 
Angel Gabriel, you got Angel Michael, you got one of those big old beasts with all the eyes all over it. You got the Holy Spirit over there just cruising around, sharing drink, you know, passing drinks out and stuff, refreshments, the living water. Okay, and so they're in there, and I can just imagine the conversation. God the Father's like, alright, squad, assemble. This is what we're going to do. Saving humanity. This is the mission. Jesus, yep, you guys, you know, we're divine beings, so you understand the mission. This is what Jesus, but we have to figure out the entry plan. How are we going to get in? How are we going to make this happen? I'm just thinking around, alright, and, and, the angel Gabriel, he checked, he, um, he chimes in, right? He's like, angel Gabriel, just so you know, he's like the messenger angel, okay? There's the messenger angel. So, you know, he comes to Mary, give the message, and shows up and gives messages. So angel Gabriel, he's like, right, I've got an idea, guys. Listen up, give me the white book. And he's like, press conference. Let's have a press conference. He's like, what we can do, we can just send an angel down to every part of the world. I'll show it up to everyone and we'll just give a message out to everyone. Jesus is coming and he's like, we can do these you know, political campaigns and, and we can send a message out. We can send an instant divine text message to everybody. You know, just give everyone a vision all at once that Jesus is coming. Yep, he's the Messiah. Uh, he's the son of God. Listen to what he has to say. He's going to save everyone. It's all going to be okay. Angel Gabriel, God the Father's like, nah, it's Nah, I don't like that. Michael, Michael, the war angel, right? He shows up like, oh, I've got some ideas here. I've been planning this. He's the general. He's got the badges and everything. And he's like, I've got some ideas. He's like, I know, military um, invasion. He's like, I know what we could do. You know, we just I get all my legions, all my boys, get the swords out. Let's load up the chariots. We can just split the skies and come rolling in. Jesus, you know, you could be in an F-41 fighter jet or something. Just touch down on the Jerusalem temple. This would be amazing. And, 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 the, and, and God was, no, it's too, too big. The Holy Spirit's like, he's a bit, I don't know, he's a bit, I just envision a bit like hippie, you know, just a bit like, you know, he lives in Byron Bay sort of thing. And he's like, Jesus, he could come surfing in on the clouds, right? Just do 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 the surfing in through the clouds. And one of the beasts chimes up and he's like, oh, I see everything because I've got all the eyes. He said, you could jump on my back and you could come up out of the ground right out the front of Jerusalem. And, and God the Father's like, scratch all of that. These are all bad ideas. This is not how this rescue mission is going to start. He says, Jesus, this is what you're going to do. You're going to be a baby in the back streets of Bethlehem. They're all like, Bethlehem who? you got to understand, Bethlehem is a no-name backwater streets town. When I went to India and I told the customs guy, oh, I'm going to Chattiscar, they're like, where? I'm like, this is your country, mate. And so, and it's the same thing, Bethlehem, no one knows where Bethlehem is. And Angel Gabriel is like, you know, we could get some more publicity with this. And what about Jerusalem? Could he be born in Jerusalem? He's like, no. And, and Michael's like, a baby? What's a baby going to defeat? He's a baby. And God the Father's no, you're going to go as a baby. You're going to go incognito and dress in insignificance. You're going to enter into this rescue mission. You're about to do uh, what I've called, you know, I'm about to save humanity and it's going to start incognito and through in, con, um, um, uh, in, in that word, okay? <laughs> and so I'm thinking to myself, that is an amazing picture of the character of Jesus, of how he shows up to humanity and how he works in our lives. How many know you've got plans, God's got promises, He's got callings, he's got words to fulfill in your life, but oftentimes they're going to start, they're going to start um, undercover, and they're going to start um, looking like something insignificant. And the things he wants to accomplish in your life and through your life, you might not even realize what they are because they're not coming in 
grand. He's not coming in big. He's just coming in simple. So I want you to think about the small things, the simple things, the, the hidden things, the undercover things that God might be doing in your life. Because I think from that, uh, that, that he's going to use some of those insignificant things to cause something great to happen in your life. Do you understand? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So good. And so from that moment, Jesus, that was my Christmas story, okay? That was my Christmas part. But from that moment, from that moment, the invitation to come and see is extended to all people everywhere. Jesus invites us first to come and see. We read it in the text. He says to the two disciples, hey, where are you staying? And he says, come and see. Come and see. Jesus, where are you resting on in my life? Jesus, where are you settling? Where are you staying? Where, 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 what area are you moving in? Are you in this area of my life? And he invites us to explore. He invites us to say, would you just come and see? I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to force you into this. I'm not going to just uh, violate your free will. I'm inviting you to come and see. That's a question we've got to ask God. Uh, when we're about to make a decision, if we're about to make a move, if we're about to do anything, we've got to ask God, where are you staying? Are you in this? Are you in this area? Where are you resting? Where is your presence? Where is your anointing? God, I want to follow where you are. And his answer to us is to come and see, to find out, to wrestle in prayer, to get on your knees, to spend some time, not just that read a Bible version, just one verse and be like, well, that's the one, but to spend some time wrestling with where God wants you, to where he is staying. And and follow that invitation to come and see. So he invites us to come and see, but then we invite others to come and see, right? We invite others to come and see. And Keys can join me again. That would be awesome as we finish up. But then in verse 44, we invite others to come and see. Philip, like Andrew uh, and Peter, they were from the town. And Philip, he found Nate, and he told him, we have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law. In other words, what he's saying is, I found, we found, I think I found the one that has healed the gaps in my life. The, I think I found the one that, that I've been searching for. You've got to realize the Israelite, they've been looking for this so-called Messiah for years. They've been waiting for this figure to emerge and liberate them. They've been waiting for the, the person to show up who's going to make all the problems come together and be solved. And, and we have that answer. We have that solution found in our Savior, Jesus. And what Nathan is saying to this guy is that he, he's saying, you know what, I, I think I've found the one that I've been looking for. I think I've found the one that's going to heal the hurt from my past. I think I've found the one that, is, that has solved that um, uh, first gap in my life. I've been trying to fill it with this and this and this, but I've found the thing that's going to help me. I've found the thing that's fixed my mind, that's fixed my marriage. I've found the thing that's revolutionized my finances because I trusted him first. I found the one, and, and, and he, he says this to his friend. He says this to the person that is in his life. He says this to the person that God has put beside him. And he says, I found the one. And I, I, I kind of, I, I relate to Nathaniel's response because he says, Nazareth, Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? This guy's Australian for sure. Being sarcastic or he's like, Nazareth. Church? Can anything good come from church? Can anything good come from giving 10% of your income to, to church? Can anything good come from 
spending your time. Can anything good come from worshiping? Can anything good come from being in community? Can anything good come from church? I don't know if you've had someone say something like that in different words, but can anything good come from that? And I think we just got to take a second to take a, 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 a ticket out of Philip's book because notice the interaction here. He says, um, can anything good come from here? And, and Philip just says, come and see. What do we do these days? We don't just say, we'll just come and see. No, we, we, we don't, we respond with sarcasm, with, with sarcasm or uh, um, aggression or, or we try and fight back. But then uh, Philip, he doesn't respond with debate. He doesn't respond by arguing or trying to defend. He doesn't criticize him. He doesn't defend his own rights. He doesn't send him a link to a YouTube video to Rabbi Zacharias who could explain it way better than he could. He, he, he doesn't get offended. He doesn't do anything like that. All, all, in other words, he just lets Jesus... Okay, this is good. He just lets Jesus fight his own battles. Jesus doesn't need you to prove anything to anyone else. He will do that all by himself. Jesus, Philip just says, we'll just come and see. You can be skeptical. You can be sarcastic. That's okay. But at least come and see. And watch what Jesus will do in your life. Watch where Jesus will move. Watch what he'll... I'm not going to try and convince you. Because if I can convince you, then someone else can convince you otherwise. Or when a problem or a pain or when it gets hard or someone offends you, you're just going to leave again. But but when, when it's like Jesus, he can fight his own battles. He is God all by himself. He doesn't need help. He doesn't need your, your opinion. He doesn't need your YouTube link or anything like that. Uh, and yes, we've got to have an account for the hope that we have. Absolutely true. I encourage you to read C.S. Lewis, Mere Christian. I encourage you to watch the Rabbi Zacharias. Do all of that, absolutely 100%. But you don't have to defend Jesus. He's a he's the line of Judah. He's a line. You know, like C.S. Lewis says, right? He says I'm really good. He's Jesus all by himself. He doesn't need you to defend him. He says, come and see. Come and see, come and see. In other words, Philip can't give Nathaniel an experience for him. He has to have his own experience. He has to has he has to have his own experience with Jesus. Come and see. Come and see. Later on, Nathaniel shows up to Jesus and Jesus says, I saw you when you were sitting by the tree. And Nathaniel's like, What do you mean you saw me when I was sitting by the tree? I wonder what he was doing when he was sitting by the tree. <laughs> And he says, I said, how, how would you see me? And he, he starts to prophesy, starts to declare over him. And Nathaniel has his own experience with Jesus. And he becomes one of the, 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 the followers of Jesus. And he has that experience. All because Philip says, come and see. Come and see, come and see. I believe that God will use those insignificant invitations. You know, the things that are undercover. You kind of sneak them in there. He'll use the... He will use the undercover invitation to start a rescue mission in someone else's life. He will use your talk and your walk and your actions to start a rescue mission in someone's life. I find it interesting that the Gospels start with come and see, Jesus saying, come and see. That's how the Gospels start and they finish with Jesus saying the Great Commission to go and tell. Come and see, go and tell. Come and see, it's open, right? It's easy. It's it's not like 
come and be enrolled in our Bible school college class and come to three meetings a week and rehearsal and you're now the new keys player and can you also fix that TV and you're also on outreach patrol, you know, it's not, it's just like come and see, come and see, come and see, come and see what God will do and he finishes with the instruction, it starts with an invitation to come and see and it finishes with an instruction to go and tell and there's that beautiful picture because in this first moment they hardly knew who Jesus was they had no experience with him but through the three years and his death and resurrection all of a sudden it's like I accepted the invitation so now I can receive your instruction and to go and tell and I'm going to go into all the world all the world just means your world your street, your neighbourhood, your workplace to go into all the world and tell of the good news the good hope that we have finally I want to finish with this is that He says, go and uh, come and see. He doesn't say, go and see. He doesn't say, oh, Nathaniel, you think you're a psychiatrist? Well, just go and see. There's a subtle difference there. Go and see is me saying to Nathaniel, well, just go and see. Come and see says, come, I'll walk with you. Come, I'll save a seat next to you. You come? No, I'm just kidding. Come, what, which one are you going to register for? The three, the five, or the seven? I'll make sure I do the same one. Come and see. It's a, it's a leading with us. It's the come. Go and see is ineffective. Come and see is invitational. We, we've got to be people who, if the simplest outreach you will ever do is uttering the words, come and see. And in this context, we're talking about church and a service. Yes, I get that. But it's so much more than that. It's just in our Western world, oftentimes it's the easiest starting point for someone. Okay. But come and see involves on the street. Come and see involves come and see what God's doing in my life. But just come and see. It's open and it's invitational. Come and see. Philip brings him and goes with him and comes alongside him. On your seat or somewhere near you, is one of these. Can you grab one? And around you is a pen. There's a pen. They, they might, you might have to find one around you or grab your own pen or share with your neighbor. But please do this, okay? This is our faith exercise. I'm not going to ask a salvation call. I'm not going to lay hands. I'm not going to have ministry or, or, or worship afterwards. This is the response right now. Grab a Christmas flight and, and what I want you to do right now is to write someone's name on the back. Not someone that you're not going to see this week because that's pointless. Someone that you're going to be able to put this in the hand of this week. Someone you feel like God's been pressing on you to come and see. And for the purpose of taking it and putting I've got three that I've, I've got three. I've got this one, this one, and this one is a whole cafe. Okay, we just moved and I'm just hitting up a new local cafe and I've already, just one week and I'm already starting to work it in there. I'm already starting to you know, to share about, I'm like, man, I hope it's not raining next Sunday night because we've got the Christmas. <laughs> I've got their whole, and, and I want you to write their name on the back, and that's the one you're going to give them. Okay, so I wrote this down to remind myself to give it to you. So I want you to just take a second, write that now. Don't wait. Okay? Don't make me come and check, because I will. But write it on. And take it home. Put it in your bag, put it in your pocket before you get up. Who is it? Holy Spirit, I pray right now. Right now, Holy Spirit, you, is it a neighbor? Holy Spirit, I pray you would uh, give, give your direction to us right now as we write. 
your inspiration to us, right? You know the people you've been working on, Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to point out, that God's been working on that person before you show up on the scene. The Holy Spirit's already been speaking. He's already been, maybe he's been removing some things. Maybe he's, he, he, I don't know what the Holy Spirit's been doing, but he's at work already. Even when we don't see it, he's working. Even when we don't feel it, he's, he's working in your neighbor's life. He's working in your boss's life. He's working in your kid's life. He is working in it. You're not starting, you're not cold calling this person. The Holy Spirit has already been knocking on their door. The Holy Spirit's already been calling. The Holy Spirit's already made the groundwork on their life. As you write this person down, you're not cold calling. You're, you're literally partnering with the Holy Spirit to say, come and see. You see, Jesus, he said it that one time, come and see. But after that, it was Philip that said, come and see. And then Andrew got to see, uh, then Nathaniel got to see what Jesus was doing. So write it down, write that person down. Once you've written it down, would you stand with me right now? Would you stand in this place? And we're going to pray, we're going to pray. We're going to pray as a church. We're going to pray over these people. We're going to pray over this invitation. We're going to pray that God would do something. You know, Jesus, the night before, he called and asked his 12 disciples to come and follow, to come and see. The Bible records he spent 12 hours praying. The night before he started his mission, before, and that's one hour per disciple he asked to call. So this is important, what we're going to do right now. We're, we're about to pray, we're, we're, we're about to ask God to make our ineffective, insignificant, incognito, little piece of photo print flyer that cost me five cents this afternoon to print. And it took so long because the computer was breaking and the machine was wrong. God's going to use all of that to transform this piece of paper into someone's eternal destiny. To have an opportunity to encounter with Jesus. So right now, would you hold your paper in the air? If you've got two, you've got three, that's awesome to do that. Hold up at least one right now. We're going to pray for this person.